0: Last week, we began a new series called Famous Last Words, and as we began the series, what we were talking about is the words of Christ upon the cross, because um, all of us have words in our life that, you know, we, as I shared with you before, what would you put on your tombstone? What would your famous last words be? Uh, I was reading this this week in a couple of books, uh, actually it's actually, somebody went out and, and they made books of this um people that went out and look on tombstones to see what people's last words were and there were just tons of hilarious ones um i may share some of those in the next couple of weeks i don't know i share them today i decided not to but uh you know there's just some incredible things but if you could say something profound something deep something uh that would you know i thought about it this way you know so often you know a t-shirt if you could put on a t-shirt what your life motto is your life mission purpose is what would it be if you had to get it down to something very brief, something very focused, what would that say? Because the last words that we say are, are focused words are hugely important. And there's no words more important than the last words of Christ upon the cross. Uh, actually, in the Greek, there are only 16 words. Uh, you know, when we look at them in English, it looks like a whole lot of words. But uh, the Greek word sometimes, one word says a whole lot. And so as we look at those words, um, last week we began talking about them. Because the thing is, it's this, is we will pretty much, uh, we will die pretty much as we have lived. And our statements uh, will tend to sum up what our lives are all about. Uh, In Scripture, you cannot find all the words of Christ upon the cross in one location. You'll find three phrases uh, in Luke, three phrases in John, and one phrase that's the same phrase found in both Matthew and Mark. And uh, next week, Chris will talk about that phrase. But last week we talked about one of the phrases in Luke, and that was the first phrase we believe that Jesus shared upon the cross. And that was the phrase uh, in Luke 23, 34, which says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they, do- they are doing. And how important that was, because we talked about the whole area of forgiveness and, and what that means in our life. Now today what we want to talk about is a phrase that we find over in John. And if you have your Bibles this morning, you want to turn with me. It'll also be on the screen. Also, it's... Um, it's on, it's on your outline as well this morning. Uh, John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30, are actually two of the phrases that uh, Jesus said upon the cross. Uh, one I'm really not going to focus on, we're just going to read it and go on and we're going to talk about the other one. It says in uh, John chapter 19, verse 28, it says, Later, knowing this, that all was completed, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said i am thirsty now what is he talking about knowing all this was fulfilled well in the old testament there's there's lots of lots of prophecies about what would happen when the messiah came and one of those prophecies is about uh when he uh, is about this whole thing of being thirsty and it says and so jesus knowing scripture uh, and not only understanding his role in that Fulfilled that role, it says, and so he completed scripture by saying, I am thirsty. And then it says, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And, and that was the first thing we see. But that's not what we want to focus on today. I am thirsty, you know, that's something that fulfills scripture. But something more importantly, probably, he said, was in the very next verse, verse 30, it says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said this, It is finished. And then, with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. That little phrase, "It is finished," is actually only a one-word Greek. Greek uh, it's only one word in Greek. It's telestai, telestestai, and uh, you can put it up on the there. It is, and uh, it's it's a word that basically means this. It means to end, to complete, uh, to execute, to discharge something fully. It's like if you had a debt. And you've discharged it. You know, you, you pay off a loan. You get a car loan. What do you do when you finish paying off a car loan? They give you your, your title, usually. Hopefully, you know. Uh, you, so it, it means you've discharged your debt. You've, you've, uh, you've uh, tel- telestai your debt. You've, you've discharged it completely. Uh, something that i will looking forward to someday. Some of you may have done this. You know, completely paying off my home loan. You know, I, I, that's a few years down the road. But, uh, but for that, you know, you'll, you'll discharge that debt completely. When you've paid off anything completely, that's one of the ideas here. But it means to end or complete something. And when Jesus said this word, it is finished, I'm sure that some of the people didn't really understand what he was saying there. Because you can imagine him being on a cross, uh, being near death. They probably just thought, simply thought it was a, a, a statement of his, of his saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm about done for it and but that was more than that because this word here it, it's really in a real sense it was almost a victory cry of christ uh, there's there's statements in history that were victory cries like uh, if you go down to texas down to san antonio there's a place called the alamo remember what the st- famous statement is down there remember the alamo it was a famous statement that people in texas remember because of the battle that was there there's other statements as well, uh, that people in life, it's almost a victory cry that people remember in their lives. Uh, football teams happen sometimes, things like that. But the issue is, for Jesus Christ, this, these words, these, these three little words are in English, it is finished. In a sense, was a victory cry for him, because he was saying that it's not about my death being finished, but it's about the work of God in me. The work that he wants to do through me is completed. It's totally done. It's, it's completely finished. Uh, back on the back of your, uh, of your outline, I did something this morning. Uh, I put a few prophecies because one of the things that we often know is that uh, the scripture says many, many times, and this is not all the prophecies, by the way, about Jesus, okay? This is just a few. The reason why I only have 27? because that's basically when i originally formatted this is all it would fit on one side of the both and, and i made it smaller and i could have put a few more but anyway um the thing is is that we see all these prophecies fulfilled And in this you got you have some of the the old testament prophecies and the new testament fulfillment of those things to show how jesus completed and fulfilled every one of the things that god had wanted to do in his life he and if you can go back and read these later and can kind of compare them it'll give you something uh, to really understand this whole thing of completion but uh, he completed every prophecy everything every detail of the life of what god wanted jesus to do was completed in jesus christ and upon the cross it was a recognition of that not only that it was it was simply even more than that it was simply to say that that everything that god's will was for his life he completed now that's you know the only person the only person i believe that ever has lived will live that could say I've done everything that God wants me to do in the time that I was here upon this earth was Jesus Christ. Because while well, he can say it is finished. You and I still have unfinished business in our lives. You and I have, have things that we need to, to work on. And that's good news. Because so often in life we become discouraged in the tough times. And so this morning what I want to talk about is that while Jesus Christ finished his work, he did everything he was supposed to do, and it was important to us for so many lo- on so many levels. And we talked about it last week, we'll talk about it next week, and we'll talk about it on an Easter Sunday as well. These words of Jesus on the cross, and they all tie together. Uh, the thing I want to focus on this morning is while Jesus was able to say it is finished, you and I have to say to I, and be honest, you know, it's not finished. We have unfinished business. We as a church talk about this constantly. We say, everybody, our purpose as a church is to help everyone take what? Their next step towards God. Every one of you here this morning, myself included, have a next step towards God. We're never finished, the work's not done. Uh, We're a work in progress. Uh, in Jeremiah 29:11, it tells us that it says, it says, for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. You ever made plans to do something and you kind of got halfway through the project and didn't complete it. Anybody want to admit that? And you got any of those things still laying around the house? Any projects uncompleted? I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, uh, the, the wonderful story of the uh, basement of, uh, with water in it. You know, y- y'all, if you weren't here, you get, didn't get to hear that wonderful story. But uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, my, my float on my on our sump pump got stuck. Uh, and 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 you know what happens when a float on a sump pump gets stuck? And the sump is, keeps filling up with water, and it comes out in the basement and all over everything. And so what we had to do is uh, we had to rip everything basically out of the base. It was not, it was a finished base was a finished basement and now it is finished once again but uh in between there we had to rip everything out and then what i decided to do not only was to you know finish re-put down the floor and everything and to fix everything back the way it was but i decided also one of the things i needed to do was to repair and re- not only repair replace the sump pump and not only do that put a backup sump pump in and i did that i bought both of them and they sit in the box for a week and a half and I told you a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, after I'd done it, I had, I, you know, I had good intentions. I had really good intentions of having that thing. And I actually had time on the Saturday uh, two weeks ago to, to put them in. But I was just going, you know, it's, it's not really that bad. So you know, I'll do it tomorrow, the next day. I'll do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so what happened? Saturday night, it rains again that, that week. Guess what happens again? Some pump get the old one, the float gets stuck again, and so I have water the good, good news this time is i hadn 't put any of the flooring back in in the basement, so all I had was bare you know bare floors. but you know sometimes we have these projects we go, and we have good intentions we, we have this idea we 're going to finish a project, and the problem is, is when we don 't complete the project, it causes us more pain, more damage uh, and, and things happen in our lives and, and we all have stories of of good intentions that didn 't get completed uh, In Revelation 3, I think it's an interesting uh, passage of Scripture, it says this. uh, God says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You know, so often in life, one of the problems so often we have is we have this reputation. People look at us on the outside. I mean, if you drive around Germantown Hills, you will think that pretty much everybody in Germantown Hills has it totally together. You know why? We have a nice community. If you live in Washington, you've got a nice community, you know, Metamore, nice community. The thing is, you drive around, everybody seems, you know, nice, you know, fairly manicured yards. Everything looks good. We have a reputation, you know, in this area. I found out a few years ago, of course, this was somebody from Washington told me this, and then we started having a lot of Washington people come to our church. Um, I, I, was, I was over and playing in a golf tournament, and a guy looks at me, and he said, where are you from? And I said, I live in Germantown Hills. Oh, he goes, you're one of those metamorons, aren't you? And I'm going, uh, and this, I've been here like three months, you know. I didn't know that there was like this animosity between people. And then since then, I've learned... I've you know just learn to love everybody and i'm going like i don't have that issue you know you may have the issue but i don't have that issue but we have basically that wasn't it but the reputation in this area is like you know this area we live in right here is known as it is a nice area to live people move out here they live out here in Metamora, germantown washington's growing eureka all these communities around here are growing communities around here we have this reputation And it says, and in scripture it says, you know, we can have this reputation. And so often people have a reputation to have these external things that look like relationally they've got it together, or financially they have it together, or sometimes even spiritually. We look like, you know, I got a church, I got a great ox. Man, I am so spiritually blessed. But it's not about our reputation. It's not about the externals that matter because what it says here in, in Revelation, it says you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. He says this, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. What I'm saying here is this: God is not finished with us. We are at, or we are a work in progress, and to act like and go around and to have this you know high and mighty attitude that you know I'm got it all together. None of us here. Well, let's, let's just admit this morning: Can we admit this that none of us here have it totally together? There is some area of our life we need working on. Where we're not, I mean, I admit it, man, sometimes I just, I, I, I don't want to air all my dirty laundry this morning. But, you know, there's, there's things in my life that, you know, you probably, you know, I've made some stupid decisions in my life. I continue occasionally to make stupid decisions. I'm not always the greatest parent in the world. My parents, kids will tell you that. Uh, but the issue is, is I try hard and I try to, I'm not always the best husband. Sometimes I'll come home and my wife will tell you I'm cranky, you know, but the issue is, is that the thing is is we're a work in progress, and that is good news for us, because we're, God is, is in the process of changing us, if we'll allow him to do that and work through that process. So while Jesus could say, "It is finished," you and I have unfinished business in our lives. I like this verse out of, there's so much, and the thing is, I was reading this week, I just kept coming across verse after verse after verse after verse that supports this. In Acts 20:24, 20, it says, However I consider my life nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has, Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And I'd ask you, for Paul, it was the task of being an evangelist. God has a task in your life. If you identified that task, what is your unfinished business? What is it that you need to be working on right now in your life? If you could go home this afternoon, take out a sheet of paper, and write down, this is what I need to be working on in my life, what would it be? Because God is working in our lives. He wants us to work. He wants us to understand. And first, we have to know what our next step is in our lives. Now, what I want to do this morning for the rest of the time we have, which is about 13 minutes, according to the big clock on the back wall, which you cannot see, because if you're down this low, you can't see it. But if you're up here, there's this big jack clock. It's like 12 feet wide. No, it's not quite that big. It's huge back there, so I can always know what time it is. They put it up just for me because they know if I don't have a clock, I don't have a watch on this morning, so I have to watch the clock on the wall. But I want to talk about, just for a few minutes here, this whole thing of how to, how to finish strong. How do we go about this process of, you know, we'll never be able to say, it is finished, I got everything done. Let's just say that Jesus is the only one who can do that. But how can we come to the place in our life of saying, I'm doing all that I can do. I know what my weak areas are. I know the areas that God wants me to grow in. And I'm working toward those. I want to finish strong. How do I do that? Well, let me give you just a couple of things that I believe the scripture tells us that I see in the life of Jesus here upon the cross, and also in his life, as he lived his life, how he was able to go through and finish strong in his life. Number one is you got to commit to, to a finishing decision. you got to say, yeah, I want to finish strong. Um, one of the problems we often have in life, and the reason we don't finish strong, is because we have so, so much indecision in our lives. Too often in lives, we're more afraid of failure than we are of, of success. And what I mean by that is this, is sometimes we want to succeed, but because we're afraid we're going to fail, we won't do the things we need to do to to succeed. One of the things I constantly say to staff, and they can tell you this is true, one of the things I constantly say to them is this. I ask them, you know, what have you tried and failed recently in? I mean, I don't do that every week, I do it occasionally, but I go into a staff person's office and say, what have you tried that hasn't worked? Do you think that's a strange question to ask a staff person? No, you know why I ask that question because if we're not trying things and failed at it, we're not trying hard enough. We're not doing the things it takes because you will not succeed every time. You know, if it's going to be a really easy task, you're going to succeed. But if it's going to be something tough and you need to work through, sometimes you'll learn only through the failures that you have in your life. And so... We need to commit to a finishing decision because in life so often we think that all these, we see people out there who were incredibly gifted in their, their success, big successes. But guess what? They failed a lot, a lot of times along the way. And the commitment to a finishing decision, the commitment to doing what it takes to finish strong is tough. And you don't get there easy. I, th- I saw this little video. We're going to show it in just a second here, so I'm kind of prompting our video guy. Uh, this little video uh, about people who were famous, but who you would consider very successful, but were mostly failures for a large portion of their life until they went through some things in their life. So let's just watch this video this morning called Famous Failures, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Missed from drama school with a note that read, Wasting her time, she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca Recording Company who said, We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried told him he was too stupid to learn anything and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. His fiancee died, he failed in business twice, he had a nervous breakdown, and he was defeated in eight elections. If you've never failed, you've never lived. If you never failed, you never lived. You know, Jesus, By I thought about this. By earthly standards, he would probably not have been considered a success. He never owned a home as far as we know. He never was married. He never held a steady job. But he did everything perfectly that God wanted him to do. Because he was willing to do the things that were risky. And, and because of that, he paid the price many times as well. He committed to a finishing Decision. In Luke 14 it says this. This is not on your outline. It's not going to be up on the screen. But it says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not sit down first and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. So often in life the problem that we have is because if we have something out there that we believe that God wants us to do, we won't even tell anybody because we're afraid that somebody will ridicule us because we might fail. And one of the worst things in the world is to be ridiculed by someone else, isn't it? No. The worst thing is to fail. It's not even to try. And Christ was able to do the things and did the things he did and was able to say, This finish, I've completed my work because he was willing to take the risk. You know, in the garden, Jesus made a finishing decision. In the garden, before he went on the cross, it says this in Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. It says, Father, Is in a prayer. If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew the pain he was about to go through. But, he said, yet not my will, God, but your will be done. He committed to a finishing Decision. The problem in life is so often our vision is so short term that we won't commit to a long term decision. And the thing about a finishing decision is what it does for us is it motivates us to endure the short term pain for the long term gain. Hebrews 12 2 is is a great verse. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, do you not know that all the runners, that, uh, the, that all in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And Jesus was able to endure the pain of the cross because he knew that it was part of the plan that God had for his life. And he was willing to take the risk and accept the consequences. Once again, God is not finished with us yet. We have unfinished business. Are you going to, you know, just, just play it safe? Are you going to do the things that it takes to do what you believe God wants you to do down the road? Another thing that, that uh, we need to do to finish strong, besides committing to a finishing decision and make that commitment, is we need to execute finishing actions. Um, in 2 Corinthians 8, it says this, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means now finish the work it says now i don't know about you but you know if you go home this afternoon and you write down here's what i believe god the area god wants me to work in and if you just kind of put that out there and don't do anything about it or or you just look at that and you don't look at any steps along the way what's going to happen you won't do anything Or sometimes you'll say, well, you know, I have this plan. I believe God wants me to do this. But you look at the end and you think, I can't possibly get there. It's like the whole thing about eating an elephant. You know, you can't, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Y'all heard that one before? One bite at a time, thank you. I thought I was the only person in the world that knew that one. Okay, one bite at a time. The thing that we have to do is we have to execute finishing actions. And what that means is is we need to understand what is the next step we need to take. That's why we're constantly talking about next steps here. It's not about completion. It's about taking next steps. God has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. And in doing so, what he wants to do is he wants to help us to take the actions that we need to take. He needs to just to put our next step forward and take the next step how many of you saw the passion of the christ bunch of you i don't know if you remember that it was brutal but i remember one place in the movie when and it was jesus was was had been beaten and he was on his way and to the cross and he fell down with the cross and he was laying there and these guys had beaten him up and everything and i'm going like i don't know if he thought about this or not i'm going don't get up You know, because, I mean, you know what was going to happen? It was going to continue to beat him. And sometimes you go through life and you feel beaten, just like Jesus. But Jesus didn't lay there on the ground. What did he do? He endured the pain because he knew it was the next step. And he got up and he finished. He finished. If he had laid there, he couldn't have said on the cross, it is finished. Because the cross was God's plan for his life. And it was finished perfectly, Completely. You need to finish the race. In 1968, at the Mexico Olympics, uh, there was a guy, of all the things in Olympic history that I remember probably, I remember this better than anything else because of what happened. There was a, a guy named John, John Stephen Aquari. Now, I'm sure you've, I never heard of John Stephen Aquari. I probably don't know. He's never done anything great. John Stephen Aquari was from Tanzania. And he was a marathon runner. And his country, his little country, had sent him 7,000 miles to the Olympics in Mexico City to, uh, to run a race. He wasn't a favorite. He wasn't even considered to be an entire, a world-class runner. But along the race, what happened to him, if you remember those, those of us who are old enough to remember this, in 1968 at the Mexico Olympics, what happened was this guy was the guy he'd fallen down and gotten got mangled. I mean, he fell and was just bloody all over him. And an and ambulance had to come and take him off the course. And they, they worked on him a while, but and then the race went on. You know, nobody stopped for John Stephen Aquari. But when the race went on, and as they got near the end of the race, you know, they had the, everybody was excited, and then, you know, the race finished. And the way they do marathons is that they'll usually finish them in the middle of a track meet somewhere. You know, they'll have this section where the runners run into the stadium, and they finish up there after running 26 miles. And, and then he did that. And, and, and then what happened was is that, you know, all the rest of the meat went on. The stadium was kind of like half full, half empty. This was like five hours after the marathon was over officially. An ambulance pulls up right outside. And this bloodied guy, John Stephen Aquari, what he did, he, 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 he asked him to let him out there. And he was still, he'd been bandaged up, and he was bloody and stuff, and he looked terrible. And he started, and he, and he decided he was going to finish the race. He couldn't run the whole thing, but he was going to go across the finish line. And so he went into, and he started, and all these people were going, who in the world is that? And he, he, he limped into the stadium, took the one lap around the track, and finally went across the line. He could barely make it. That's how, that's how beaten up he was, how, how badly he was injured. And after the race, after that was over, with some uh, some uh, people asked him. They said, "Why did you have to do that?" He said, "Why did you Why did you want to do that? I mean, that just, uh, we don't see any purpose of that." And he said, "You know," he said, "Well, he said, my country did not send me here seven thousand miles to start a race. They sent me here seven thousand miles to finish a race." How are you and how are I going to finish? Now, we can't say like Jesus did. Or can we? It is finished. See, if we base it upon completing the work perfectly of Christ, we can't do that. But God says because of his forgiveness, because of his willingness to give us, empower us to do what he wants us to do, when we do exactly what God wants us to do, even when we do it imperfectly, guess what God will say in heaven to us when we've accepted him? Well done, my good and faithful servant. It is finished. You've done it. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion and to the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that God has a plan for every one of us. Every one of us have a next step. For Christ, it was the cross. For me, I kind of have an idea of what God wants me to do next. To take the next step. What is it for you? And are you willing to endure ridicule and maybe pain to do what it is, but to know that it's worth finishing the race strong? Jesus believed that, it was tr- that was true. And because of what he did upon the cross, you and I have hope and we can have life and life abundantly. I challenge you this week. Hey, ask the question, what is my next step? And in that big step, what is the next little step I need to take to do what God wants me to do? Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.